this is a, a, um, a court record, if you will, or a court transcript of Paul standing before Felix. So getting, your, getting you caught up to where we were, Paul was uh, finishing his vow. He was seen in the temple. He was accused of blaspheming, profaning the temple. And so then uh, they arrest him. They begin to beat him. Uh, uh, Lysias uh, saves him begins to question him, can't figure out what in the world this guy is being beat up for, but he's being beaten up. And so he sends him down to the Sanhedrin to try to figure that out. Uh, that breaks out into another riot, if, uh, mini riot. He pulls him out. He decides, I'm going uh, to figure this out on my own. Uh, then they find out that there's going to be an assassination attempt on his life. And so he just says, you know, let's get this guy out of here. He's a Roman citizen. We got we got we could have a big problem on our hands if we don't handle this properly. And so he sends him up to Felix, the governor. And so it it finished in chapter 23 with his letter that he wrote to Felix. Now, later on, uh, Lysias will actually come up and testify, if you will. This is not as uh, completely like what we would understand a court hearing would be, where all the witnesses would come and uh, testify in one big, one big hearing. But rather, uh, Felix is the... He's going to be the judge here. He's the governor of this region, and he is going to try to hear the case. And so we're going to cover the whole chapter. I'm going to read it, and then we'll go back and and, uh, talk it through and understand what's going on. And then one application, uh, one main one at the end there, but all of it leads up to it. So uh, we're still within, uh, it even makes mention later on, uh, we're within uh, less than two weeks from the original time when Paul finished his vow and or was trying to go into the temple all this has happened and so verse one starts off there it's five days after uh paul uh found out about it so or i'm sorry after paul uh was up with felix and then felix said at the end of verse number uh, 35 i will hear thee said he when thine accusers are also come and he commanded him to be kept in herod's judgment hall so then five days later so in the movie they would change scenes and you see little white letters at the bottom five days later this is where we pick up. And the five day, and after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders. And I always think of descended, but they went, they went kind of like north and, and, and east, but uh, these places with, uh, coming from Jerusalem. Uh, they, they descended with the elders and, and a, with a certain orator named Tertullus who informed the governor against Paul. Tertullus was a lawyer, if you will. There was no public defender, uh, that, or I'm sorry, public prosecutor like we would have a state prosecutor uh, to to try there was nothing like that so if you wanted to prosecute someone you had to go and do it and so they brought along a lawyer here who was a good speaker who could uh, get his point across and so it says and when he was called forth turtleus began to accuse him saying seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Notwithstanding, that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who also hath gone about to profane the temple, whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain Lysias came upon us, and with great violence took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. 
And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so. Then Paul, after that the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city. Neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. And have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now after many years I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings, whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult, who ought to have been here before thee uh, to object if they had ought against me, or else let these same here say if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council. Except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am, I am called into question by you this day. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, she, he sent for, for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. Uh, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for the, him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So this is the entire the entire extent of uh, Paul's time with Felix, which was we see there at the end there two years that he's up there. Uh, so w- one of the things that I keep getting as I read through this whole thing, uh, this whole story, is that these Jews were bent on on getting Paul killed. I mean they they weren't mad for a short time and then they left it. Is anybody still angry about something that happened two years ago? I mean like like you're still dealing with it. I I chuckle with. Uh, was that road uh, going out to Mayville? Todd, where's my gravel? I paid for two years ago. I'm like, this guy is still waiting on his gravel, Todd. Give him, you know. And I always think of Todd Cole. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know any other Todds that uh, might have it, but uh, this guy wants his gravel, and he's still mad two years later. Uh, and that's these guys are, they want more than gravel. They want death. Uh, they want Paul, and they're going to continue uh, coming up to this, uh, com- coming up to this, uh, this charge. Uh, but let's go back and let's look and see what, what, what is going on here. Now, if you see, if you're looking at the notes, um, it's, I put it this way, um, a little bit uh, extra word on, uh, extra wordy on purpose to show uh, this without getting further into it. There's some Latin terms that go with all this that I didn't want to include because I didn't, I didn't feel it was necessary. But uh, so the Turtleus' speech and then Paul's speech all have the same thing, address, facts, proof of innocence or confirmation, and then uh, Paul's here refuting charges, and then we have a conclusion. And this was the normal procedure of how they would do it. So in our, in our culture, it would be opening arguments. Both sides give their opening arguments, and then you, the one side questions witnesses, and then you can counterexamine here. One guy gets up, he does his thing, and he goes a certain way, and so it's all laid out here. And that's why I said it's, it's kind of like a court transcript, because um, I was reading that uh, 
they would have what we have, uh, you know, like we have stenographers, people who would, uh, you know, that weird little typewriter, and they'll, they'll take the notes and all that. They would have someone and take shorthand of what was going on in the, in the, in the actual uh, trial, and then they would later record that. And so this is how Luke is able to get uh, all of this accurate information, and, be, and it was all public record. So we go back to verse number uh, 2. And we see that uh, they begin there in, in, uh, with Tertullus' speech. And uh, uh, Tertullus uh, has basically four comments to make. He says, number one, and this is not flattery. It kind of seems like he is, he is uh, buttering him up uh, because, you know, as all prosecutors, you know, that, that slimy lawyer reputation. Uh, and that's not, that's not completely what he's doing there, although there is a... There is a, a an overtone, if you will, of he is he is a little extra flowery. Uh, he says, uh, number one, he says, we've enjoyed much peace under your leadership. That is kind of true, kind of not true. He said, number two, we've enjoyed a positive reform because of your foresight. Or in other words, you've done a lot of good for us. You've done a lot of good for our nation, uh, Felix, uh, which also was kind of true, kind of not true. And then he said, uh, we are all thankful for everything that you've done for us. Depends on who you ask. Uh, the Jews didn't really care for the Romans, so I don't know if you if you took a poll survey, uh, Felix's popularity vote would have been up high with the Jews. But Felix speaks on behalf of the Jewish nation here, saying, and what he's going to try to do is draw a sharp line between Paul and the rest of the Jewish nation, as if Paul is the only one out there, uh, or, or in these wacky people called the way. But uh, for the you know the majority of of us Jews, we really like you, Felix. We really like uh, you're being charged here. And then, as all lawyers would start off, I will keep my comments brief. Uh, and this was actually a customary thing to say, I read. Even though they may or may not intend to be brief, they would always say, I'm going to keep this short. And then they just like, this is how I start my speech. And then maybe two hours later, they keep going. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't talk that long, but uh, that was his address. Now he gets into the facts here, and he calls Paul three things. And beginning in verse number five, he says, uh, first of all, this man is a disease and, uh, or a pestilent fellow. He's a pestilence. Uh, he's a cancer. Uh, this word, uh, this word, literally means a public enemy. He's he is a he is a big problem uh, to the people. He he would be the uh, in his in Turtles is trying to pin him like what we would some of the big you know the big uh, Al Qaeda bosses now the way that Osama bin Laden was public enemy number one and and uh, I mean if you get this guy in your courtroom you can't let him slip away you've got to execute judgment or execute him. Uh, that this is this is how he's trying to portray Paul. He says number two that he is a rebel and a troublemaker, and he says that because he says he was a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, saying that wherever he goes, this guy stirs up trouble. And we and he's even going to bring out the fact that hey, he was stirring up trouble in the, the this huge riot that happened in Jerusalem. That's kind of why when we arrested him because he was he was a right. And it was it was illegal. Rightly so, that for riots to, uh, for for rioting in, uh, according to Roman law, and so uh, he is going to try to show that Paul is a traitor to Caesar. He's, he's sedition, if you will, treason, uh, and Paul is going to push it another direction. And then he says, then the third thing there is that he is a religious leader, saying here he's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. So he is these three key words here: ringleader, sect, and Nazarenes. Nazarenes there, speaking of Jesus of, Na- of, of Nazareth. Okay, so he's kind of throwing, uh, throwing shade because remember Nazareth, who was it? Uh, one of the disciples said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So they already kind of had a, that reputation. 
but he's throwing more shade at it like, yeah, they're Nazarenes. Uh, and it's a sect, and it's not part of us. It's some wacky religious group that broke off from Judaism, and we're not like them. You ever, you ever talk to someone who uh, accused you of being some other, some other religion, or they knew someone who, who said they were a Christian, but they were doing all kind of weird stuff, and you have to, you're very careful to say, no, 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 I'm not anything, I'm not like that, okay? I'm sorry that that was, that, that, those are some, those are some weirdo, you know, extra, extra biblical people out there. I'm not like that. Well, Tertullus is trying to do that for Paul, saying that he's not like us. He's a, he's a, he's a leader, first of all, of this crazy, radical religious group uh, of the Nazarenes of all people. Later on, Paul is called the way. Uh, so he says these three things. He's a disease, he's a rebel, and he's their leader. Then he goes in and gives his proof uh, on, on, the, on, this, uh, on these charges or on these accusations or facts, if you will, in verses 6 and 7. It says, he's gone about to profane the temple, whom we took and would have judged according to our law. So uh, there's Todd. Where's my gravel cross? But, uh, anyway, you missed it. But uh, the... Uh, uh, he says that uh, this, this man tried to profane the temple, which was his way of proving that uh, he was a leader of a rival religious sect. He is, he is the head of the snake. And so, uh, Felix, if you cut the head off the snake now, you kill this whole thing. So he had, he had Paul in a, a much higher uh, a pedestal than even Paul or any other Christians thought. Like, he's the boss. He's the leader of this whole thing. And if you run him out of town, you kill this guy. This whole problem goes away. And they, they, they try to prove it by saying that he tried to profane the temple, uh, proving that he was a leader of a rival religious sect. And then the second thing was that we arrested him in the temple. Why would we arrest an innocent guy? This is why he's, this is our proof that he is a horrible person, because we arrested him in the temple, proving that, hey, he didn't actually profane it. He tried to profane it. That's a lot harder to prove. Uh, uh, it's a lot harder to disprove intent rather than... Uh, did he actually accomplish it? No, because we stopped him in time. Paul was in the temple. He was trying to do something horrible. Uh, you know, what are you going to do about it, Felix? And so that's verses 6 and 7. Uh, and and uh, then in verse number 8 there, he, he basically uh, finishes it up and he says, Now, Felix, um, you question him for yourself. Examine him on your own and you will see for your own, your own self you will see, you will come to the same conclusions we are. You're a smart guy. You're going to come to these conclusions. So he says there in verse number 8, by examining of whom thyself mayest take uh, knowledge of all these things, whereof we accuse him. Felix, the truth will come out, and you will side with us. So then he calls these witnesses, if you will. These are the other Jews. So going back to verse number 1, it said that Ananias, the high priest, and the elders came. And so these were these these men that, that came and did it. doesn't record anything that they said, but it is obvious that they would have uh, confirmed everything that Tertullus accused him of. Then Paul is given his chance to speak in verse 10, and he obviously speaks more than, than Tertullus because this man is fighting for his life. He defends himself, which uh, is unique. That's in our, in our culture and in our day today, you'd say, oh, that's crazy. You need to get a lawyer, right? Uh, but Paul is excited to do that. He even says so in verse number 10. He, his address or his opening uh, is number uh, number one that uh, he acknowledges Felix's Felix's experience. And he's not flattering him. He's not saying anything except for, I know in verse number ten, um, uh, for as much as I know that thou hast been a, a year, many years a judge under this nation. So he, I know that you've done this a long time. Which Paul is trying to say, 
you know this nation. You know what you know the Jews. Uh, you've been here a long time. You're not new to this. And so um, when I lay out the facts, you're going to understand. Uh, you know, we get pretty hot when it comes to religious stuff, uh, and that's how Paul's going to try to try, try to direct this this uh, trial. That this is all a theological issue. This is not a national. Uh, uh, this is not an interest of national security. This is a, dis- a disputation over a theological debate, and that's where Paul is going to go. And he says, and that's why he says there, Felix, you know us. <laughs> You've been around here a long time, and because of that. He says there in verse at the end of verse 10, uh, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. I'm glad to be standing in front of you and, and be able to have uh, this opportunity to, uh, to plead my case in front of you. So then in verse 11, he lays out his facts. Why I, I, my, my visit to Jerusalem and then my purpose, why I came to Jerusalem. Verse 11 there, uh, because thou, thou mayest understand that there are yet but 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. Now there's not... Uh, there's some debate on this, these 12 days, what he's, what he's counting there. But uh, pretty safe it would be when he was arrested, when he was brought up uh, until this point to, uh, today. But what he's trying to say is that it's only been 12 days. So this is not far away. Some, you're not trying to solve some cold case. This is very recent. It would be very easy for you to find witnesses and find any facts that, uh, to prove, uh, to make the truth come out there. But uh, he, he says there that... Uh, <clears throat> my visit for Jerusalem was only a few days ago, but also uh, my my motive for visiting Jerusalem was to worship. It wasn't to cause a riot. I'm not here, as Lysias thought, to be an Egyptian rebel, to stir up a, a, a group of rebels. I was here, and what can I do in 12 days? You can't start it. You can't lead a coup in 12 days and get people to turn with you and all that. I'm not doing that. It's crazy. Then he, and he proves his innocence there in verse number 12. And they found they neither found in me the temple disputing with any man, neither raising him to people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city, neither can they prove the things whereof they accuse me. So there's three things there. He says, number one, I was not involved in any arguments or disputes. This word disputing talks, it's the same way that when Paul would go on his missionary journeys and he would go in the synagogues, it would say that he would dispute with the Jews. It's having a dialogue. It could be, it could be having an argument. It could be just having an exchange. And Paul says, I wasn't doing any of these things. Which, which leads us to believe that the entire time that Paul was in Jerusalem, which was about two weeks from the time that he entered until the time he finished his vow, he wasn't teaching anybody. He wasn't in the temples doing anything. And Paul says, I was, I was in the temple, but I wasn't arguing with anybody. But I wasn't doing it in, in synagogues. I wasn't doing it in anybody's houses. I, was, I wasn't involved in any of these things. Number two, I did not organize any crowds. When you found me in the temple, I wasn't with a crowd. I wasn't trying to gather people together to listen to my thing. I wasn't in the middle. I was in the temple. Uh, with with four guys, we were doing a a a, a, a ritual uh, vow uh, offering. He says there also, and that no evidence, verse thirteen, has been produced that proves these accusations. He says all these are these accusations have come, but there's no proof. There's absolutely nothing to prove any of the things that they say. Verse fourteen, he says, but there's one. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number fourteen. Uh, he says there. Uh, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. Now verses 14 to 18 is, a, is a refu- refuting the charges, refutation of the charges, and he says basically two things. Number one, I'm not an enemy of Israel. That's what, that's what uh, Tertullus and that's what Ananias are trying to get you to believe about me. I'm not an enemy of Israel. 
contrary to what I teach. Now, he's not gone into his what he teaches here, uh, but what we saw, what accused of him uh, to Lysias, is I don't teach against the Jews' doctrine. I don't teach against their religion. Um, I do believe, uh, I believe in the God of our fathers. The same God that I grew up believing in is the same God I believe in now. All, Paul just has not gone further into that. If, if he were to, he's like, I just believe him in, in a little bit clearer way than I did before. But uh, Paul has always worshipped the God of Israel. He just didn't, uh, it took him a while to see that the God of Israel was manifested in the man Jesus Christ. And, and, but Paul says, I, I worship the God of my fathers. He says, number two, I believe everything in the law and the prophets. That's the whole Old Testament. He says, I believe everything that's there. I haven't gone against anything that these men teach, uh, or at least what the, what the scriptures teach. He may go again with the, with the high priest and what the Pharisees teach, but uh, he says, I, I believe everything that the Bible teaches. I'm a Bible believer. I'm a God worshiper. And he says, number three, I believe in the resurrection of the dead, just like these, these men do here. And remember, that's how he, he kind of, that's the only thing that he was able to get out in his Sanhedrin trial. He said, I'm here because you guys can't decide if there's a resurrection of the dead or not. And then that started a huge, a huge squabble. And Paul says there in verse number um, 15, he says, I have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both the just and unjust. Now, it's it's not likely that every single one of them that were there believed in it. Remember, only the Pharisees did, unless, unless Ananias only brought Pharisees with him. I don't know who was there with him, but he's just saying as a whole, he goes, these guys believe in the resurrection of the dead, and that's what I believe. Uh, and he's trying to establish that God's people are those who follow, uh, who follow Jesus, not those who are simply Jews. He's, he wrote about that in Romans 9, and he says that following Jesus doesn't require one to leave Judaism. That's what Paul is trying to get across. In, a, in so many words that um, I follow in verse number verse number 14, he kind of takes this this uh, sect thing and he pulls it back into something a little less crazy sounding. Verse 14 there, he says, I confess unto thee that after the way, which they call heresy, they call it heresy, but it's a way, but I believe this, that, but, I, but I worship the God of my fathers through the way. Jesus said, I am the way, and says, I worship the same God they worship through the way. And I believe that he is the way that we get to the God of our fathers. And I believe that the law and the prophets point to him. And that's why I, I, I follow him. But he's, he's, uh, he's trying to, to show them, first of all, that he's, no, he's not against Israel. And number two, he didn't cause to come trouble. Or he didn't come to cause trouble. He came to bring help. He says there in verse number, uh, verse number 17, Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offering. That's why I'm here. I was bringing money for my people. Yeah, he was bringing money for the churches, but they were Jews. And he's out bringing money for my people. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to come and help these people. I'm not trying to come and cause dissension. I'm not trying to burn Jerusalem down. I'm not trying to take over. I came because I knew there were some people who were in trouble, and I wanted to help them. And I came and I brought uh, alms to my nation and offerings, and that the offerings would be him being in the temple. I came to worship. I came. I wanted to worship in the temple. This is an important thing because remember, Paul's not against Judaism. He's not against the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law brings us to Christ. He he grew up with that. He just sees it in a new light. He sees it in a new perspective. And Paul says, "I'm not against any of these things. In fact, I wanted to come and worship in the temple, and I wanted to do this vow, and I wanted to." To, to, to be with my kinsmen. I'm not trying to destroy things. And, and so then he reaches his conclusion in verse number 19. He says, 
uh, the, the, number one, these the true eyewitnesses, these priests weren't there. Remember, who, who were the people that found him in the temple and, and started the accusation? It was Jews from Asia who saw him and then accused him of bringing a Gentile into the part of the temple he shouldn't have been in. These priests that are actually there, uh, back in verse number 9, who were confirming him, they weren't even there to prove it. That's, these, are, these are faulty witnesses at best. And Paul says there, and first of all, you've got to bring the real eyewitnesses in if you want to hear the truth. Verse number 19, who ought to have been here before thee and object if they had ought against me. They could be here, but they still don't even, they still can't prove anything that I've done, but they're the ones who should be here. And number two, uh, number two he says that the proof of any crime is non-existent. Can't prove anything. And number three, he says the only thing I said for which they could accuse me is not of a national security issue. It's of a theological nature. He says there in verse number 21, uh, I'm sorry, verse 20, or else let these same here say, so if, if he goes, here's the guys, if they want to accuse me of something, they weren't there in the temple. They don't know what happened. They've heard third-party accounts. But if they want to accuse me of something, there's only one thing they can accuse me of, and it's the one thing I got to say when I was on trial before them, verse 21, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, and this is what he said, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called into question by you this day. He said, that's the only thing I got out with these guys. And I got a hearing from these guys. That's the only thing I got to say. That's the only thing they can accuse me of. And what he's trying to get them to understand, you can't. Some, some commentaries say that he might have been trying to probe these Jews to get into another scuffle and kind of throw the, uh, uh, throw, you know, kind of adjourn the, the trial because they could, these guys couldn't agree with themselves and get maybe those Pharisees back on his side. But he's saying there, I agree. This is the only thing I said. This is the only reason I'm on trial here. And it's not about Caesar. It's not about rebelling against Rome. It was about the resurrection of the dead. And Rome had very lenient views, very tolerant views towards other religions. And so, uh, what, you know, what, there was really a, not a big deal about that. Uh, and then, so Paul is trying to reduce this matter to a single theological charge, insisting that everything boils down to his belief in Jesus as Israel's Messiah and the Savior of the world. So then, after all these sides have been, have, uh, both parties have said it, we see verse 22, Felix makes his decision. Felix has three options. Felix could execute Paul. He could side with the Jews. Felix could let Paul go. Or Felix could say, I'll wait till later. And that's what he decides to do. He says uh, um, in verse number 22, um, it describes him as having a more perfect knowledge of the way he deferred them. He says, well, this court has adjourned until a later date. We'll wait till Lysias comes, and I'll hear from him. Uh, and, it, and Luke does not tell us when Lysias came. Uh, he doesn't tell us what Lysias said. But we see that because Felix didn't go with either side, he just kept pushing it back and postponing it. I believe that Lysias, uh, his account more agreed with what Paul was saying, and Felix realizes this guy, this guy didn't do anything wrong, but... As we see at the very end of verse 27, he wanted to do the Jews a favor. And so he left Paul in prison. There was a lot of politicking going on, even though the Jews were the uh, subservient country. Rome, you know, ruled them. Uh, especially in this area, if you, get, if you made the Jews happy, you did well for your career. And so it, it did you well to... Uh, to if you were put in that part of the of the of the of the world to keep the locals happy, and if you started a riot, Pilate historically uh, after 
Uh, well, that's why he, he crucified Jesus, because he knew that if he didn't, he would lose the whole people. It would be better that one man die than all these people, but mostly his career uh, would be saved. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what Felix is doing here. So he's, he's, uh, he's trying to make, uh, make the, these, this other party happy, but at the same time, he realizes that Paul probably didn't do anything wrong. And so uh, it says there that he had an understanding Christianity, and, I, and this could mean one of two things, and I think it could mean both, uh, that uh, he was aware of the behavior of Christians in this area because he had been around for a long time. As Paul had mentioned at the beginning of his, his speech, that he had been around. He knew these Jews, but also it was very likely that, that Felix knew Christians. And also his wife was Jewish, which, Jewish, which meant that he was familiar with that culture. Drusilla and, uh, was a Jewish woman, and so he would have been familiar with that culture and very likely would have been familiar with one or two Christians. So uh, he, if he knew these Christians. If, if he knew that they were Christians, he would have, this is not how Christians act. This religious sect is not trying to take over the world. They might have a wacky message. They might believe in some strange things, but they're, they're harmless. And uh, he decides to, to, to push this off and wait. And he leaves Paul in jail. Uh, and he gives the terms of Paul's uh, imprisonment there. He would give him some freedom. He would imprison him, but he was given some freedom. I'm thinking like a minimum security prison here. But let his friends come and take care of him. In those days, you didn't get taken care of by the state. You were just imprisoned. And if you were going to get cared for, that was your, that's where your friends came in. Remember when Paul finished his final journey, he stopped in Caesarea and uh, met with Philip the evangelist and his daughters and some of the other Christians there. Very likely that these were the Christians who took care of Paul during his two-year stint uh, in the big house in Caesarea. And, that, and that's, um, uh, if you go back a couple of chapters, you can see that. Now, it tells us very briefly in the last three verses about Paul's imprisonment, and it says that, that Felix, with his wife Drusilla, at least once, but uh, and then by himself at least several times, he went back to see Paul, and it tells us his motive was that he was trying to give Paul an opportunity to bribe him and let him out. Or, if he believed that Paul was the ringleader of this religious sect, then he was thinking that maybe these guys would scrape together some money and then they could, you know, free their leader. And as all good church members know, uh, we ain't got that money, that kind of money, right? So uh, they, they they didn't feel like it. Was, they, they had they had spent all their money on potlucks, and they couldn't they couldn't uh, free Paul. And so they left Paul there, but they brought him left though. But the the, the, the Paul was uh, left there, and Felix would continue to come back and talk to him. Well, every time he comes back, it says here Paul is sharing his faith. And this is and this is kind of where we're getting to the application here, as we as we kind of put ourselves in Paul's shoes and we see Paul was on trial; he could have been executed at day one, and yet he stood firm. And everything he said didn't make matters worse, but it kind of just pushed everything along. Well, how long would you be needlessly in prison before you began to think, you know what? All it takes is for me to say some things differently. Or all it takes is for me to pay a little bit of money. I bet you Paul could have could have scrounged the money together, write a letter to all the churches. Hey, I'm in jail. I want to come see you, but I need such and such amount of money. I bet you they would have done it. But he doesn't. Uh, and, and so Paul stays in prison. Uh, now, it says here three things that Paul spoke to him about. And I think I put some verses for you if you can look at it. It's interesting that these three things are what Paul spoke about. He spoke of righteousness. Paul speaks of that in Romans 3. 
uh, man's righteousness versus God's righteousness. He spoke of self-control or temperance there. Uh, the Romans believed that self-control, it was a it was mastery, came by self-discipline. And Paul in Galatians 5 writes that it's a work of the Holy Spirit. So they had this, these spiritual conversations. And then the third thing was of the coming judgment. Not of his coming judgment, but of Felix's coming judgment. And uh, as uh, Paul spoke in Acts 17 about the, that God uh, let the Gentiles go in their ignorance, but then now he says he, he demands that all, all men come to the conclusion Christ and so uh, he's getting Felix feeling antsy and you've ever if you've ever uh, been there yourself under conviction or you've seen someone else you can just tell they're under conviction right now the Holy Spirit is making them very uncomfortable and uh, Felix just says you know none of that I'm not uh, it would be that old-fashioned altar call and he's white knuckling the pew and he's not going just waiting for that that uh, that preacher to, to close the invitation and uh Unfortunately, Paul can't extend the invitation until he gives in. And Felix says, I'm done with that. I'll come back later. And Satan uses that on a lot of people, just putting it off, putting it off. And uh, Felix uh, is able to do that because of Paul's imprisonment. And so he just, you know, waits until the conviction goes away and starts talking to Paul again. And he kept him as a favor to the Jews until he was replaced by Festus. And so I mentioned the, the application here is that Paul was willing to share his faith even at risk to himself. He wasn't willing to do, do whatever it took to get out of prison. Now, Felix may have thought that Paul's future was in his hands, but Paul knew that my future is in God's hands. God has told me I'm going to make it to Rome, which means you're not going to kill me. He didn't come out and say that. because I don't think he wanted to tempt Felix. I think Paul would like to have gone a nicer way, but he knew God's got this all under control. God is going to take care of me. God has a plan for me, and I'm in the middle of his will right now. It's not where I wanted to be. It's not how I thought it was going to be. But this is where God wants me to be. And uh, Felix, you think that, you, just like Joseph told his brothers, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God's got something going on here uh, in, in, his, uh, in his own way, in his own time. And uh, Paul was not uh, afraid to back down. As I read through the story, I think, you know what? How would I have spoken to Felix if I had been in Paul's shoes? What I have been, you ever been, and I've never been on, you know, in prison talking to the one man who can set me free, but I have been in, where, in places where I felt a little bit uncomfortable talking about the Lord, talking about Jesus, talking about salvation, and I don't want to be made fun of, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be, you know, messed with, I just kind of want to leave that alone and just say, you know what, that's not for now, but Paul says, you know what, I got an opportunity to talk to the, to the Roman governor and his wife. Let me tell you about let me tell you about some things. And Paul does not back down from spiritual conversation, even though he risked saying something that could have offended Felix. He risked saying something that could have made Felix, you know, you know, I don't like that. Kill this guy. Or at the very least, he could have said something differently that would have said if Felix says, Yeah, okay, I'm gonna let you go. You're nothing. If Paul maybe watered it down, if Paul said, Yeah, I'm sorry. Think about those who were martyred for their faith. Uh, when they were forced to renounce the name of Christ, all it would have took is them to say, you know, fingers crossed behind my back, okay, I renounced Jesus. And they would have let them live. But they didn't. They said, no, this is, this is not something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back down on. And this is, this is how Paul is. Whether or not this is my last day on earth, this is how I'm going to spend it, being faithful to Christ. There's a couple of questions there uh, to, get you, to get your mind thinking, and we'll just go through those if you want to read them. We won't take time uh, 
We won't have to go through everything, but I'll just read through them if you want to make a comment or if you have a question on any of those things. But number one there, how could Paul be so confident and concerned for Felix and Drusilla that he was willing to continue sharing his faith at the risk of offending them? Number two, how do you determine the best time to speak up about Christ? And how do you use the best choice of words to use? Um, I'm not that type of guy who will hold up everyone in line at the supermarket while I can share my faith with the cashier. I don't know if any of you are. I've met people that do that. That's not me, okay? Uh, I am. Uh, I told you about my uh, having a street preaching college. That's also not me. I had to bar preaching college. That's also not me. Uh, I like this. This is my scene. Uh, when everyone came wanting to hear what I had to say, I don't necessarily like talking to people who don't want to hear what I had to say. Uh, but uh, some people, I kind of feel that that's a gift, <laughs> that some people are, they have that uh, the gift of, I don't care what you think about me, and I'm going to say it. Uh, or, last one there, Felix's understanding of Christianity refers to the reputation of the Christians that he knew. What does that say about the effect of our behavior on those around us? And this is what I mean. I felt like this is a really wordy and may possibly confusing sentence. If Felix knew some Christians and they were jerks, and then Paul says, I'm a Christian, how would that have changed Felix's mind? But if Felix knew some God-fearing, good old-fashioned Jesus-loving, loving-your-neighbor Christians. And then Paul is being accused of being a Christian. He's like, well, the Christians I know are pretty nice folk. I'm not one of them, but I know some pretty nice ones. And, and, and there's room there. This is not set in stone that that's exactly what it meant. But his more perfect knowledge of the way. He knew something about Christianity. And the way that the world around us knows about Christianity is through our witness, our testimony, our lifestyle. So whether or not you're on trial, your lifestyle might be the evidence that someone else on trial needs one day. You know, there are a lot of unnamed Christians who make up the way that Felix had a more perfect knowledge of that when he knew about what they lived like, and he compared them to Paul, he said, okay, that, that's not dangerous at the very least. Rather than, oh, yeah, they're a bunch of jerks. Uh, so... Those are some questions. Let's, let's uh, take some time if you want and uh, ask a question or, or make a comment. If you ask a question, you may not know the answer. Someone else might. Or if you have a, uh, something you want to share about.